Philadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by two horseless jockeys. What's up, Chuck and Gene? <laughs> oh, good one there. I, I, um, that's a noble sports event. I thought you were going to go for uh, Max Headroom with the whoa, 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 whoa. Um, <laughs> so, um, I've often been called a horseless jockey. My name is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And I'm Gene Zilak. You can find me at Producer Gene. And I prefer to ride dragons. <laughs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> Uh, Preakness, you guys, are you guys into horse racing? Do we care about horse racing? I like, uh, horse racing usually when they coincide with some sort of other event. Uh, I, it's not something that I indulge in, uh, generally solo. Um, I, I don't like, I don't remember the last time I went and just like popped on a simulcast from florida to you know like and embrace my inner 60 year old italian guy like i haven't i haven't gotten to that point yet uh but generally speaking it's if they're on at the times of year where you're usually doing something you're somewhere on a saturday afternoon in may or june and um you know i have some pretty great memories are all tied to uh triple crown races i remember very specifically where i was for the uh the smarty jones um belmont stakes that was when i was working like a saturday afternoon and there was like four or five of us at the radio station where i was working at the time like rooting on smarty jones really hard um just tell me this right the preakness the only thing you care about the preakness is is the triple crown still in play is it still in play or is no it is not i don't yeah it's not this year right all right so i'm not watching the belmont i don't i don't think that it could have been in play because i don't think that the horse that won the kentucky derby even ran all right so we don't know we don't know anything about horse racing basically what, <laughs> no. we've... what we've shown yeah. i knew well, that know. there was a horse named smarty jones that was pretty impressive smarty <laughs> jones a fleet alex we we know all of our philly area horses barbaro baby barbaro yep. the um, <laughs> and was it the belmont's longer that's yeah, what the I belmont know. is longer and there's get... more of them in the kentucky derby yeah and you just get a four-hour pregame I, show. I just didn't even board. know. I just didn't even know the Preakness w- was happening until I got a text. Like it's usually like our degenerate friends that are in the uh, the chat that bring up the horse racing, the gamblers, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. The <laughs> ones with the ones with income to burn on that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I didn't even know, and it was like, oh, that happened. All right. <laughs> But uh, let's talk about some more Philadelphia-centric stuff. Where, where do you guys want to go first? Do we want to go – I'm open to going Sixers first. I'm open to going Phillies first. Where do we want to start? You guys pick. Uh, let's start uh, Sixers. Uh, I could use a bit of a break. Um, but also okay. <laughs> just to uh... – You could use a little bit of break from the Sixers is what you're saying? No, I, I was joking because – You guys do the heavy lifting on the Sixers. But no, I think starting the Sixers, you know, round out our sort of season in review raw nerve episode. Okay. All right. Let's start. All right. Let's start with the Sixers. First off, uh, Brett Brown is coming back as coach. And we find out that his job was actually never in jeopardy at all. Do you believe that? Because there's some part I, of that that I, I find a little bit hard to stomach or hard to swallow. Really? I, I feel like had 
somehow Brooklyn come back and won that series, for example, I think he would have gotten let go. You know what I mean? I think maybe possibly had we been swept by Toronto, he would have been let go. I think because the series progressed in the way it did and ended in the fashion that it did, uh, I think once we got to game five with a chance to win the series, I think that the brass could have been like, we can we can sell Brett Brown for another year. And clearly his players liked playing for him. I think had Joel come out or uh, Jimmy Butler come out and either said nothing or had come out negatively, you know, then maybe things turn a different way. But none of that happened and Brett Brown is staying. So, Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you in the sense that if Brooklyn took us down, there may have been – you know, cause for alarm, but you got to look at like looking at the organization, we've seen a lot of changes, you know, at the GM or the manager position, whatever you want to call that uh, up top. Uh, But Brett has been like really stable, right? He's like one of the longest tenured NBA coaches right now. Yeah. Yeah. Across the league. He's, he's one of the longest tenured and he's certainly like the senior man in the Sixers organization, other than ownership. He's been there as long as any of the players. They're all his guys. Uh, It's not, there's no holdovers from the last uh, group. Everybody's played only under Brett as a Sixer. And uh, you know, very seriously, the, the important thing, and you brought it up, we've had, a lot of flux in the GM position since Hinky left. And they do kind of need a stabilizing force in the locker room. Although I, I actually really like what Elton Brand has done this year. Uh, I wish that we didn't have that period between uh, Hinky and Brand that we have to deal with. I don't really know what I, any if anything got accomplished in that period. Uh, so... I, I like keeping Brett Brown. I've been on, on the side of keeping Brett Brown. And, and and part of my reasoning was I don't know what would have been better, like who was out there that was going to be an improvement in your situation over Brett Brown. You know, do you want to have somebody come in and install a whole new system? Is there even a new system you can install with, with, with the personnel you have? Who knows? Is Brett Brown – well, I know he's the longest tenured coach in Philly. Is he – is his tenure longer than the other three combined? I think it is. I mean, how many years has Doug been here? What, three? We're on yeah. sec- second year um, with Gabe. And Elaine Vigneault. Just started. Be, right, hasn't even yeah, started. Ge- generous call his yes. first year. So he is, he is, the lo- he has got more years in than all the other coaches combined, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think anyone is. I don't think there's a free agent that's going to say, "I got to play for." I got to play for Brett. I got to go to Philly play for Brett Brown. But I also, I also don't think anyone is saying, "I can't stand Brett Brown. I got to get out of here." Um, yeah. It just does offer that sense of stability. He's built a pretty positive culture. If everybody likes him, the team is playing for him. I mean, uh, JJ Redick had a pretty good. Um, take on on brett and and you know like like yeah everyone is coming out in favor of him so so why would you want to move him and i mean i just want to kind of point out that this podcast last week was 100 percent brett's coming back never a doubt um yeah. we never even considered a, a change was going to happen no um but it was weird because but when i went into work on monday morning and i was listening to sports talk radio it was like yeah 90 percent chance there's a change and i was like wow how far off are we on this do they know something we don't um 
And sometimes you just got to look at it at face value. Like, does it even make sense to make a change? So, I mean, they may be saying Brett's job was never in doubt because uh, what are you going to say? Yeah, if he right. didn't win that third game or whatever, he was going to be gone. That, that doesn't help anybody. So, yeah, I think you might be right in the sense that his job may have been on the hot seat. But Well, the other thing that they kept kind of making clear was that they never actually – had that specific conversation. Brett kind of kept implying, like, well, we've been meeting this whole time. Uh, you know, Elton Brand, I think, said something similar. But at, at no point did they say, we actually sat down and discussed about whether or not if he didn't win such and such a game or such and such a series, he'd be gone. Which, I mean, I imagine that's similar, like, for your job. Uh, when I go into work, my boss doesn't call me over and say, hey, if you don't do this task or this task correctly, I'm going to fire you tomorrow. Um, you know, I guess to a certain degree it's implied, you know, if I, if I, if I do something to screw up. Then I'm going to get. They never put him on a clear performance improvement plan. Yeah, exactly. To put it in HR terms, With measurable goals, smart goals, smart goals. Uh, and I think that if you, I mean, to, to, not to to, you know, to go with your analogy, I, I feel like if they had to put him on that sort of a plan at the beginning of the year, he probably came pretty close to hitting what were his his markers you know what other than return to the same round and and push for the eastern conference championship would have been on his his resume you know i don't know what else he as the coach could have done they lost on the very last flukiest of fluky shots not even fluky is not the right word but it was just it was just so insane how you lost that game you you can't say well that's on brett you know the uh, can we just like can we, I just also remind people that if that shot didn't go in, we were to, we were going to overtime. Oh yeah, no, it doesn't. Very likely. I mean, not very. I mean, there was a great chance we still would have lost the game. We're still on the road in Toronto. They still have Kawhi. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it wasn't one bounce, and and we were screwed out of uh, you know making it to the next round, and. It was improbable, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't improper. It wasn't like, oh, I can't believe they're going to count that. It counts. It, it was a good shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's nothing, you know, like screwy with the rules. We didn't get screwed. It was just a improbable uh, buzzer beater. It was painful. It was painful. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't anything to complain about. It just... You know, it was kicking the nuts. But honestly, I will take that sort of a loss over feeling like we got screwed, essentially. You know what I mean? You, yeah. you, 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 it's a lot easier to stomach we got beat, you know, and and that's just what happened than it is when you feel like you, some other force that you had no control over. We, I feel like we had control over our own destiny throughout that entire series and had it really, it wasn't even so much game seven that really perturbs me about the season. It goes back to when we had a chance to close that ga- that series out in game. What was that? Four, five. Four. Yeah, it was four. Where we should I have mean, gone yeah, up three yeah. to one at home. That That's the game that you're like, that that's where we really could have taken control over the series. You shouldn't even you know necessarily be in that situation had you, had you done your job the way you're supposed. Well, to. let's get into that because I want to I want to get into that. But but before we do that, I, I just want to say I, I'm I feel like I'm onto something with these smart goals. I think what we're gonna do now <laughs> when uh, coaches are 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 on the hot seat, we're gonna bring it take them into the office 
We're going to put them on a performance improvement plan here, and we're going to give them, uh, what is it, specific, measurable. Actionable. Time-bound. Yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna do a whole performance improvement plan like corporate style uh, <laughs> on these guys. I think that this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, this is gonna be a new segment. Who acts as HR in that segment? We are the Gee, three of us. You have the degree, don't you? you have I do have a degree in HR. HR. That's true. All right, well, there you go. There you go. Does that mean Dave has to act as like the the coach? Is he gonna like, or are we just gonna like well, send them this I episode? Could be, maybe I could be the boss, and Chuck, you could be the union representative or something like that. <laughs> Oh, I think <laughs> you're, I'm filing a grievance on this. <laughs> this is great role playing for our like, <laughs> you know, our pre business law class. I don't All right. know. <laughs> All right, but going back to the shot. All right, so this is something that I saw immediately on social media after the Kawhi quadruple bounce went in. It was the sentiment that this always happens to Philadelphia. We always lose this way this always happens to us this is the life of a philadelphia sports fan you know when i told people how upset my son was it was like well get him used to it that's the life of the philadelphia sports fan but no i totally disagree with this and it certainly isn't uh, the recent histories uh you know the, our life as in the recent history no, I think – and I think we could just take a couple of minutes here and just go back in our uh, our memory archives here and recall all the times, at least in our lifetime, that we have put that feeling on another team. Kind of like make a positive out of it. I saw a lot of retrospectives about like all the crushing defeats that we had, but I want to flip it and, and think about all the crushing defeats that we doled out. Uh, I can Love think. It. I can think of one, just off the Lay top. Lay it on me, Gene. Off. Uh, when we went to the World Series in 1993, and we took the the hearts out of the Atlanta Braves. Is there a specific turning point where that, Braves that... fans were went home crying? Well, I maybe it was that long game. What was it? Twelve innings. I'm not going to remember the score, but I remember so the it was Kim high. Batiste game. Yeah, the Kim Batiste game where we, you know, at home beat them, and uh, I think that gave us a two-game lead in that series, if I remember correctly. This one's stretching my memory, but I think Kim Batiste had an error in like the ninth inning that tied yeah. it. Yeah, and yeah, then he came back right. and got the game-winning hit right. in extras. Yeah, and the reason partly I, I say that is because that whole stretch of time in the '90s, the Braves were the best team in the national league for that whole stretch they only got one world title out of that whole stretch and they were by far the best team in the national league under any metric you would have they had the most that wins. was back when they were in the nl west yeah and made no friggin sense <laughs> no sense at all uh so you know that kind of probably adds to what was a long line of moments where the braves got their but it also All kind right. of was the beginning of our rivalry with the Braves. We didn't have a natural rivalry with the Braves before that, and then they be, and then they joined our our uh, our division, and it kind of you know it, there was a little bit of hatred already there. That one was not that one was not on my list. Ooh, I have I, I like I, anytime we could talk about Kim Batiste, though I'm into it. <laughs> uh, I have three popping out to me. I I bet at least one of them is on the list. I think two of them will be on my list. Okay. Not, not, I don't like have a ranked list, but these are just <laughs> ones that I've thought of. Well, I would say 
down three nothing in the series, down three nothing in the game. Yeah. The Flyers come back, win game seven over the Bruins. If I did have a ranked list, that would be in like the top three. Yeah, it has to be. Be uh, and the only way I can judge it is based off how defeated and down we felt <laughs> until we came back. I mean, how fucked do you, would you feel as a Bruins fan <laughs> walking around after that series? Oh, I would have. I was nervous as hell for Game Seven, but I, I, I felt like we were playing with house money. It was gravy, you know, and, and I just felt you know all the momentum was you know all at our backs. We we had all the momentum in that series, and then to fall down three nothing. I was wearing an orange tie at the time. I said, <laughs> "Fuck this orange tie. It's bad luck." Um, and. I can't imagine the sigh of relief you must have had as a Bruins fan when you're up and three nothing. Up three nothing the first, it's like, woo! All right, that was a close call. And where was that game, by the way? That was in Boston. <laughs> yeah, well, because add, we came, adds extra to it. Well, yeah. we came extra in that sauce. We came into that uh, playoffs as the seventh seed, so yeah. we never got home ice advantage until we played the eighth seed for the Eastern Conference Final, but. It, to go up 3 nothing in the first, uh, JVR gets one back, and I believe what ended up being the game-winning goal came on a too-many-men-on-ice uh, too penalty, yeah. which is, like, historic to the Bruins. You know, <laughs> if you ever see the Don Cherry, like, up on the bench waving his arms like he's right. conducting, that's over too-many-men-on-the-ice penalty. So, like, that's just... That's just... Funny debilitating you know yeah gene you want to go or chuck you want to lay out your other one i thought it was your turn oh it's oh it's my turn all right mine is uh i'll go with uh fourth and 26 oh that's a good against the packers how how dead to rights do the packers have us uh at that point to give up that play to that dude freddie mitchell (laughs) That dude most recently seen at the Super Bowl as a guest. <laughs> as a paying attendee. Sorry, like not like someone's special guest. Just it's like, to get it's tickets. my it's my fondest memory of Donovan McNabb. Um and I just I mean, as a Packers fan, you, you want to throw up seeing that play get converted and then Eagles go on to win. And you think you have because that that was at home, right? We were in in Philly for that one, right? Yeah, yeah it was at home. I, I mean, to think you have a playoff victory secured on the road, uh, and then just to have that happen is, oh, I'd throw up. <laughs> uh, Gene, do you got another? Uh maybe the step over uh, game one, uh, and, and and I don't know if <sighs> this may come as a more of like a legacy thing uh, because. How many other highlights do you see from the 2001 championship? Uh, do you see a lot of Lakers uh, highlights from that? Or do you see T-shirts with Allen Iverson stepping over Tyron Lue? Because I see a lot of T-shirts. So it's almost one of those things where culturally, even though we lost that series, to a certain degree, the real winner was Allen Iverson. Because that more almost there are two moments that really transcended him from being just a really good 
uh, you know, scoring guard to being a transcendent player was when he crossed over Michael Jordan and when he stepped over Tyron Lue. Those are the two moments that, like, are his, uh, you know, the, those are the things in his highlight reel that, that, that you know, put him, I don't like, think you get a bust in the NBA. Whatever you get, maybe a handprint in the NBA. What do you get when you get it <laughs> enshrined? Uh, your sneakers, gold sneakers. Um, but those are the things. Those were his calling cards. And to a certain degree, uh, that moment, that game, I know it was game one, but the fact that the Lakers had not been beaten in a finals going into that and that, that they were able to go on the road in game one. And as a Lakers fan, you had to feel like this is the first time you've gotten your nose bloodied. I, I hate the fact that we don't go on to win that series. I, it, the fact that we were even in got that yeah. as far as we did with as badly beat up as we were and then to win game one, um, the momentum just seemed like it was on our side. But uh, so, uh, you know, maybe that's kind of an oddball left field kind of a of a take. But, uh, you know, that yeah, you me mentioned that, that was the uh, that was the only game that the Lakers lost in that entire playoff run. It reminds me of uh, like that scene in Infinity War when uh, Tony's like pulling out like all the stops and Thanos is just like all that for a drop of blood because mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that Laker team was just that's dominant. how they were. Yeah, they were they were a super villain, but, yeah. you know, and nobody liked them other than Lakers fans and nobody likes Lakers fans. So, right. Chuck, we got I'm uh, going to go probably with another one on your list. Five overtimes. Uh, Keith Primo uh, scores with no energy. And we were down 2-0 in that series. And we lost both games at home. Went into Pittsburgh, took one. And it took to the middle of the the night. But we took that second one. And people were even saying it. I think the commentators were saying it like, you got to feel whoever wins this game has a huge advantage in the series. Right. And the Flyers did and went on to the Eastern Conference Finals that year. Yeah, I just feel from a fan perspective, you're so pot committed with just the time that you put <laughs> into watching that game that whoever lost that game is just – I mean, what a miserable day at work the next day. If oh, you, yeah. You know, it was a miserable day when you won. <laughs> uh, but if you lost, it's like, man, yeah, I was up till uh, 3 o'clock in the morning watching a loss. Yeah, I couldn't. It wasn't even a West Coast game. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine. I think the like longest Flyers loss I stayed up for was like a double overtime loss. Yeah. So thankfully, in, when in... when the Flyers lose, they do it mercifully early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's considerate of them. All right, I'm gonna go with any time the Phillies faced Jonathan Broxton in the postseason. <laughs> um, but particularly the the stairs, uh, Victorino. Uh, Jacks, because uh, I was talking about it today. Uh, when he faced another team, he was dominant. So, as a Dodger fan, you have to feel like you're in good hands in that situation. Um, and just to see those moonshots uh, from 2008, and then Jimmy hitting that one off of him in, in 2009, that really, I mean, both of those games really uh, clinched the series. Uh, does anybody have any more? Uh, I have a, a recent one. Oh, yeah, I have one more that was recent. Yeah, what do you got? And uh, I got one more, too. I don't know if this is the same one that you and I are thinking, but uh, the Minnesota Vikings, after uh, after oh, no. advancing uh, past New Orleans with a miracle, come into the link and get their asses handed to them after putting a skirt on Rocky. Yeah, you know what? That's not bad because the Vikings thought they were a team of destiny after that 
that play. They thought they had the fates with them. Well, and they were like, we're going to get a home Super Bowl. Yeah, and then they're up 7 nothing the, on the first drive of the game. And maybe specifically to your point of this whole conversation about taking the heart out of a fan, uh, so many of the stories I heard about people as that championship game is going on, um, uh, so many Philadelphia fans, like by halftime, are starting to look at Super Bowl tickets and, and hotels in, in, in Minneapolis, and the ticket prices start suddenly dropping. Like, that is the most unheard of thing, I think, maybe ever, but it was all these people from Minnesota that just, they, they were, they don't want those rooms anymore. We're, we're not going to, we're not going to go. So, suddenly they're available. Yeah. Chuck, what do you got? Um, my last one is uh, Flyers over Rangers, a 4-1 series win. 1997, we made Gretzky's kid cry. Oh, right. Like, it, it's not, it, it, it wasn't, you know, such a heartbreaking loss for the Rangers because we did win the series four to one. But Gretzky was relatively new to the Rangers. It might have been his first year there. And, the the ending of the coverage featured so much of Gretzky's son, who I believe is a professional baseball player now, uh, just bawling. And and I don't take joy in, you know, children crying except for that day when they kept showing Gretzky's kid cry. It was, Listen, if it one was day a we glorious can make Sidney Crosby's kid cry, uh, I'll be all right with that one, too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, and I will end on this one. Uh, we would be totally remiss if we didn't talk about Brandon Graham uh, stripping Tom Brady because that Super Bowl really felt like whoever had the ball last with the ability to make a sustainable drive was going to win the game, and totally true. And there's only one defensive play made in the entire game, and it happened so late. Uh, you know, whatever. And I'm glad we could get Boston on this list twice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we spent a lot of time on that, but I think it was worth it. I think it was worth it. Um, so just a couple more Sixers things uh, related to uh, Instagram specifically. Uh, one, Joel Embiid changing his profile picture to him crying. <laughs> I don't know what else to say other than I love it. Yeah, I love it too because he trolls know, himself he, kind of thing. Yeah, he trolls himself and he just you know deflates all of the weak arguments of like, Oh, he's crying like and they're they're kind of pathetic arguments that we can debate, you know, whether we want to see our our professional athletes cry or not. But just to do it, he owns it. He's like, yep, that was me crying. Go ahead and make fun of me. I don't care. Right. You know, exactly. We all learned that strategy in grade school, right? <laughs> and I will take that sort of reaction to a, a game seven loss. Then. Like the the smile and McNabb while we're getting crushed any day of the week. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. So I love that. Uh, second thing, do we want to overanalyze Jimmy Butler's Instagram post? Uh, for those of you that didn't see it, Butler had a post that said to Philly and my teammates, and then in all capitals, thank you with two red hearts. Staying or going? You know, when I looked at it myself, I thought it I thought it was it might as well said it's been a great run. <laughs> like <laughs> I will always remember you. And the fact that you read it back and it was just thank you with two hearts, uh I don't think that's 
but I, I think I it's also telling that the two hearts were red. If he was staying, wouldn't they be blue? So he's going to Houston? I don't know. <laughs> Clippers? I, Clippers wear red, too. Yeah. Oh, Clippers wear white. And then Joel Embiid uh, post um, three uh, praying hand emojis. Well, that ooh, sounds like ooh, or are they high five emojis? Ooh, they could um, maybe they're a high five and two prayers. <laughs> <laughs> you have to delineate that. You know, which I don't one know what to think about this. Praying. Thank you is in all capitals. Does that mean anything? No, it means he really mm. thanks you. Philly is not capitalized. Mm. That means he hates us. Jimmy Butler to Philly, period, and my teammates, period. Thank you in all caps, period. Red heart, red heart. See, but then I also heard that he was looking <laughs> at a six hundred thousand dollar house, like in Ardmore. So I, I don't know. I think Ooh. he would. I think he wants you to be your, live close. I was gonna say. I think he wants to be your neighbor. Oh, well, listen, I'm a good neighbor. If you uh, – listen, Jimmy Butler, if you're listening, uh, if you leave your trash cans out for the garbage men and uh, I get home and your trash cans are still out, I, I'll bring them back up to the house for you. I, I don't, I'm I can't that think kind of a better, of neighbor. I can't think of a better sales pitch. Yeah, that's yeah. worth 500k right there. Right? Yeah. See, right. and, and here's, the, here's the thing that I, I just don't want to see happen because I know he's friends with T.O., just, I don't want at any point to see him in any driveways at any point doing any kind of calisthenics, any kind of uh, sit-ups, uh, pull-ups, nothing. Just stay out of driveways. Okay. Okay. Good tip. <laughs> stay out of driveways. Dave needs it open to take up your trash cans. <laughs> uh, okay. Hashtag run it back. Have you seen this? That that's the, the the trying to get momentum to just sign them all and and let's just do it again, right? Yeah, but it's Ben. Ben's driving it. Oh well. So Ben says hashtag run it back, uh, and he gets likes from Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. Oh, nice. Well, that's I like that. That's some positive. So everyone's positive. definitely coming back, right? I don't think that JJ Reddick's coming back. Really. I, I his his like you know uh, end of season press conference. He really did seem to like say, "I'd like to end my career here." Right? Didn't he say that? I thought. Yeah, but that would that also means they'd have to pay him whatever it is that they would need to pay him to. You know, I, I feel like if you're going to max two guys, you don't have that kind of luxury that you can you can pay uh, a JJ Redick to just be who he is. I, I don't know. I, of 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 the Three that are, you know, the three starters that are available to walk. Uh, I am least likely to believe that J.J. Redick is back. Yeah. Is is run it back what you want? I don't hate the idea. I feel like it would be nice to see how they would play together after having a summer to work on uh, on, on something. Um, right. But, I mean, it, it's like run the starting five back, sure. Yeah, but they would need – right. That would be the caveat. Run the starting five back. Obviously, they're going to have to fix the bench. They just never didn't have any. There was just nothing available to, for them. I think that Elton thought that there was going to be more things shake off in that period. What do they call yeah. that? The, 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 you know those those max contracts or those those contracts right. that are those buyout. Uh, you know, most like things. You know, a, another Ballinelli was going to fall out, and none of there's just there was just nobody there to be had. 
Yeah. Well, you're going to have to get Zaire Smith's going to have to, you know, do something. You're going to get, and I think in the draft, I mean, what are we picking? 25th, something like that. We're going to have to get one of those uh, seniors coming out that, that are. A guy that can come in and contribute as like a seventh or eighth guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right now. Um, All right. All right. Let's talk about the Phil's. Woohoo. Playing well. Let's trade Bryce Harper. Trade him. (laughs) No. He stinks. He's overpaid. Boo. Uh, He's heating up. He's heating up. He's looking good lately. That, that, That home run on Saturday. Jesus Christ, that was a big home run. <laughs> majestic. 466? Yeah, it was majestic. They say that it was his second longest home run in the StatCast era, which I didn't even know was a thing, but apparently they we're in the StatCast era. And uh, do you know, how long have we been in the StatCast era? Has it been a year? Has it been a decade? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just uh, no hearing idea. about exit velocity this year. I feel like so behind in the times that this is a thing that now we care about is exit velocity. Um I thought they would only care, like only depended on if you're going to the moon. But uh, Statcast was introduced uh, to all 30 MLB teams in 2015. Okay, so and not for that those long. of you that don't know, Statcast is a uh, high-speed, highly accurate automated tool developed to analyze player movements and athletic abilities in Major League Baseball. So I think that's where we get like exit velo and yeah. uh, launch angle. And launch angle, stuff. yeah. So uh, this was his second longest in in that era, which is, you know, a big chunk of his career. So I'll I'll buy that that's kind of impressive. Uh, It was had to have been one of the as far as home runs that I've seen on television, uh, one of the most impressive, if not the most impressive that I've seen hit out of Citizens Bank Park. I, I feel like there was one that Ryan Howard hit that went out to um Ashburn Alley yeah. that felt about yeah. as impressive. but And I think I saw on Twitter someone take the call, the Harry Callis call from that home run and put it to the Harper home run. And it's eerily similar. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but here's what I want to talk about this home run. Uh, it went over like the batter's eye. Yeah. And then it went over a, like a secondary wall behind that. Right. Now, I'm not looking for – if I'm behind the batter's eye, I feel like I'm safe. I'm in a safety zone here. <laughs> Is it, did anyone get injured from this home run? I I feel like that would have led the broadcast today. And I, and I didn't hear anything about somebody getting plunked on the head. No. What What do you think would have happened if someone got hit in the head with that home run? I feel like they would get they get a signed bat from Bryce Harper, like. That's where the negotiations to, to, to put in their casket with them. <laughs> I think <they> wouldn't die. <clears throat> well, I I do imagine that you know it has to lose some momentum, right? That we need a resident physicist on this show. We keep mentioning these things, and I like, know where we, we can have, find one. Yeah, we should have Phil from uh, the Whip Around as like dial a physicist. Yeah, and Doctor Doctor Phil, tweet at us if uh, if that Bryce Harper home run would have uh, would have killed someone <laughs> if it hit them on the head in Ashburn Alley while they're getting a they're getting their crab fries. <laughs> and for that line, you're just in that line. I mean, it's not that's not where it is, but I think it's for pizza, actually. <laughs> yeah, is that the Lorenzo's stand? Well, I back mean, there? in fairness, I haven't been up there yet this year to see how the they reconfigured things. So. All right. um, but I, my thought would be, 
how unfortunate would you be that you're in line for food? I guess maybe, uh, you know, Mrs. Fan has convinced you to go get in line for food when this is happening. And now you're here. And the, and the most important. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm Gene Hell as well. But go on. And, and, and you miss the what is definitely going to be the highlight of the game because you're in line. And not only that, you get hit in the head or arm or shoulder or whatever. And oh, I'm guaranteed if you get smacked by it, you don't get to keep it. Like it goes ricochet. <laughs> off of you and some other schmuck's gonna grab it and you think they're gonna give it up to you hell no well, well in that case you didn't miss it then and then mrs fan was putting you in a position to to be part of history i mean you probably didn't and, see it happen though if you're getting plunked wait well, i'm not sure you see that well afterwards <laughs> but like you can go this plate in my skull was from bryce harper's home run Gene, can we get uh, enthusiastic ninth graders' uh, reaction to seeing someone get hit in the head with a Bryce Harper home run? <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to do like, yo, this guy got hit in the head with a home run, and I got the ball, and I ran away. <laughs> and I ran away makes it. <laughs> I feel like we're all the enthusiastic ninth grader. Okay. All right. At heart. At heart. Okay. Well, that's. That's good to know. So it's like so Bryce is uh, getting hits, getting RBIs, doing what he's supposed to be doing. Ever since they moved him from the uh, the three hole to the two spot for a day, for a yeah. day, and then they moved him back, and he's fine. Yeah, so like, I guess he just wanted to be like warned that like, oh, if you don't shape up, you're gonna have to go hit in that spot. Yeah, <laughs> well, Gabe. I, uh, Gabe saw something, and I wasn't concerned. I were either of you concerned no. with Harper? No, no, and neither was Aaron Nola, and neither was who else did they? They interviewed somebody else the other day, and none of them were concerned either. I bet Jake Arrieta. Jake Arrieta was definitely concerned. <laughs> yeah, if he's going to be that guy that warms up with the weather, fine, I'm okay with that. I remember like Mark Teixeira was notoriously like this. He was terrible for the first two months of every season, and then he caught on fire. Yeah. Do you? Um, have you guys ever heard that famous Gene Mock quote? Gene Mock was the manager, I guess, in the 60s, 70s. Um, and uh, they were talking about Dick Allen. And uh, Gene is familiar on all famous genes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's one of my, like, superpowers. Um, but they were talking about uh, uh, Dick Allen had, uh, like, the same problem where he started a season off slow. And uh, and, and Gene Mock, they said, well, are you worried? You know, is, is he, you know, he going to? You know, he's hitting 220. Are you worried? And he's like, nah, just wait and see how much fun he has getting up to 280, Um, which I I think is such a great, like, so exact, like, apropos, uh, because Bryce is going to get his numbers. Over 300 to do that. Yeah, he's going to he's going to he's going to get his numbers. And, you know, if Bryce Harper's only got eight home runs or nine home runs Mm -hmm. now, just imagine how much fun he's going to have when he gets those other 25 or whatever that he's going to be getting this year. Now, I, I can't wait, not just for Bryce, but for the whole lineup. Uh, when we do get into those, you know, dog days of summer, it's late June and it's been, you know, pushing 90 degrees for, you know, four or five days in a row. And those balls are just going flying out of Citizens Bank Park. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be a hell of a lot of time to, you know, put the kids to bed, flip on the game and just, you know, watch that scoreboard in motion yeah because uh you won't have any other sports to watch that's for, <laughs> that's for sure um all right hey so scotty jetpacks came back today yeah and we sent down nick williams i believe yeah uh, whatever do you uh, feel like he got a got a shot and kind of didn't ever like take hold of the 
the chance he had up here? I don't know. Not a, I'm not like a Nick Williams guy. You're not a Nick Williams guy. Okay. No. Aaron Altair yeah. guy? No. <laughs> I'm not a any of those guys guy. <laughs> You'd rather we just didn't have a bench. <laughs> well, no, I, I don't know. I just, just guys don't do it for me. No, I, I think Nick Williams, I was always happiest with him. Oh, I would take Nick Williams over Aaron Altair. Yeah, but I I was happy happiest with Nick Williams as a everyday player. I'm happy we don't need him to be one, but just his speed, his fielding ability. You know, I liked him in the one hole. Well, the leadoff. I think we had a discussion of how there's not the one hole. Um, But I, you know, there were things about his game I liked, and I wasn't. eh, Maybe I was mildly disappointed in his showing off the bench, but. He just doesn't strike me as a, you know, a bench player. I think, you know, he needs that repetition and, you know, come up with good numbers on the whole. Yeah, it's not it's not good enough. And it, it makes me really appreciate that we don't have to deal with the problem of who is going to play every day in right field this year. You know, yeah. that could be one of the things that we're talking about every week is, you know, who's who's taking command of the right field job. You know, is it going to be... Uh, you know, Aaron Altair, is it going to be uh, Odubel Herrera? Is it going to be uh, Nick Williams? You know, who is it? Are we going to be are we going to trade for a right fielder at the deadline? We don't have to worry about any of that stuff because our right fielder is going to be there for like 10 years until the DH comes into the National League. Uh, they brought it up in the broadcast today. Are we going to start seeing a possible platoon in center field with Kingery and Herrera? I don't hate it. No, yeah, neither do I. Well... The the pleasant surprise for me of the last couple of weeks has been how well uh, Cesar has been at the plate. He's been a little weird in the field. Um, he's made some odd plays in the field. Nothing that's cost us a game or anything, but um, and obviously I feel like at some point we should talk about how the defense played a little bit about in Milwaukee against oh, the Milwaukee geez. Brewers. I don't uh, but uh, Cesar Hernandez has been maybe the most consistent hitter in the lineup outside of Gene Segura. You mean like this this week? I feel like Caesar's been doing it for like two weeks. I feel like he, he kind of heated up as everybody else kind of was coming off of being hurt, and, and he's kind of stayed hot. He's stayed hot enough that they moved him up to sixth at one point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's been fine. I think he's been good. Uh, I'm not banking on that. Um, the guy's a doubles machine. <laughs> but... Um... Yeah, the the question of uh, Kingry and Herrera. I mean, I I like Adubel Herrera. I really do. Man, I'd wish he'd make some better decisions at the plate. And oh, is this right? Caesar Hernandez is really batting three hundred one this season. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm telling you, the guy's like two for four every night. Wow. All right. He's that has gone unnoticed by me, to be honest. That's an under the radar 300. That's uh, that's why I'm here to take note of those things that you miss. <clears throat> Thanks, Gene. See, I, I noticed it in like a in a gravy sense of wow, it's really nice that we're getting production out of him. You know, not that I ever thought he was a bad player, but he's just not 
you know, one of our what big five or whatever right. the case may be. So I, I really enjoyed, you know, seeing that production coming out of him, but didn't think much of it. And I, I think he's going to cool off. I think you'll see him end the year somewhere in the neighborhood of 280. But um, I'd love to see him kind of stay semi-consistent and not go cold for for long stretches. And I, the luxury, I think, is going to be that we have maybe a guy like Kingery, if we're getting him regular at bats, if uh, if Caesar starts to trail off, that maybe you can you can spark something by uh, by throwing Kingery in there for a couple games. Hmm. Um, let's see. So we are 26 and 19. Um, we, we've we uh, so... matched our high watermark for the season again today. Uh, what, eight, games eight, over 500? Yeah, eight games over 500. Uh, so we're a little past the quarter quarter post then for the season, huh? And is that right? Yeah, because we're right around fifty some. Yeah. I, well, I thought you were talking about quarter post because quarter post means the last quarter of a race. You know, if we want to talk about degenerate gambling. And what should I say? The three quarter post? I don't know. And <laughs> I just want to bring up that post. We're that near the first end of the first uh, first quarter. We're twenty five percent of the way through the season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Do we want to give them some early grades? Well, I was just, uh, I just wanted to. Let's just do, we'll do three categories, early grades, three categories. Okay. All right. Run me through this, Gene. Okay. Uh, Offense, pitching, manager. Oh, wow. Those are three big categories outside of, uh, outside of offense. I'd, I'd give our offense a, a minus to, to start the, the season. I'm, I'm thoroughly pleased. I think they could be better. Um, I certainly don't think they're bad. I think there's just potential to be better. They're not quite living up to that yet. I'm not at all concerned. It's early, and you know, not everyone's going to be hot every night. But I'd certainly give it an A minus uh, to start the season. Um, I would give them. Uh, I think a B. I give the offense a B. Um. You know we're thirteenth in the league in in, in runs scored, uh, so that's pretty good to be for me. What I, what I do like, I like that we're uh, like we saw how many pitches do we see in the first two innings of the game today? I think we had their starter up over sixty pitches in two innings. It seemed like uh, they were the, every count was run, uh, you know, at least five six pitches. Yeah, I'm super. Like I'm really loving that approach. I just think uh, we're susceptible to hot and cold streaks sometimes outside of uh, Gene Segura and, uh, as you've pointed out, Cesar Hernandez. So, um, yeah, I, I give I saw it B. Happy with it. I, I think I agree with you 100% on that grade. I think a B is right around the R. I think had I not seen what they look like when, they, when they're when they an A, you know, uh, I, I would I would have maybe graded well, them a little higher. Like, yeah, I, I feel like we've seen it in flashes. Yeah, you know I mean they would like be a full uh, they would be a full fledged day if, if today wasn't this only their second sweep of the season, um, which actually kind of surprised me because it feels like they 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 have racked up a lot of wins, um, but this today was their only the, you know they they seem to get beat by everybody somehow, uh, you know so. Yeah. How about pitching, Chuck? Uh, pitching, I'm going to give a very surprising. Oh, I'm gonna give a very surprising B minus. 
Um, I was debating between B minus and B. Uh, well, I'm second with that B minus. Our bullpen has actually been good. I think we're third in the National League, I heard the other day, and I was floored by that. And I realized that my anxiety is not a stat um, <laughs> because my anxiety about our pitching um, is quite high. We, we'd be ranked pretty low. Um, I, I think the starters, mm, the starters had a slow start. Uh, I'm second with my B minus. I think there's been enough to be happy with, not floored. I am content with the bullpen. I am um, optimistic with the starters, but uh, B minus. Uh, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna grade the Phillies on a curve. <laughs> uh, I'm actually gonna give them a B plus. Uh, with their pitching and I'm basically grading them on the players that we have like I'm not going to hold them to a a standard that I don't think that they would be, ever be able to achieve so I'm going to just say like knowing who you guys are uh, how's your performance been so far this season I'm going to give them a B plus uh, ERA under four uh, which lands them in the top 10 right now in in team pitching uh, you know, we do lag in other areas like, uh, you know, runs against and um, strikeouts and, and things like that. We don't get a lot of saves, but, you know, we do score a lot of runs. So um, I, I think, like I said, like I think I said last week, the, the pitching staff is starting to take shape. We're starting to understand the identity of some of these guys, even if some of the the even if some of them, their identity is I'm inconsistent guy. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think some of them are stepping up a little bit more than others, but yeah, I mean, I, I, am pretty comfortable with the starting staff and the bullpen also, I think is finding its footing. So I'm going to go B plus. Uh, uh, how about you, Gene? I think uh, I was going to go with a, with a, like a C plus and I'll tell you it, I, I would, if I was going by my emotion, I feel like I would have gone lower, more like a C minus, but, um, statistically they, they, they do have some very positive signs and honestly, uh, just the last couple of games, especially that game Nola pitched yesterday, has given me this confidence that there are signs of not only improvement, but improvement coming sooner. Uh, so that gives me a little bit more of an optimistic outlook. Outlook. So I'm going to say like a C plus. I really do wish we had more defined roles in the in the bullpen. I think that's why I give them a little bit of a knock. Um, and I think that that's not necessarily something that is against the manager because I feel like he's tried to put people in positions to have those, you know, the, those high leverage situations to, to take advantage of those and to become the guy that he's relying on. And there hasn't been anybody that's really stepped up and been like, I'm the guy, I'm the shutdown guy yet. Um, well, I, I disagree with that just because of, you said he's trying to give people an opportunity to be the high pressure guy whether they're grabbing that ring or not, I think it's more on Gabe's, you know, fighting the history of a bullpen. You know, uh, Neris is, you know, emerging in these high-pressure roles, but is he the closer? Is he sixth inning, seventh inning? Who knows? He doesn't know. So, I mean, and that might lead us to to Gabe, and right now, I want to give the coaching an incomplete. You know, if I had to put a letter grade, I'd say C, just because I don't know. I don't know how much of this is Gabe, how much of it is the improved roster. 
Um, I give him all the credit in the world for getting out of the way of of the players. So that's why I want to go incomplete. But if I have to put a letter grade on it, I'm saying C until I see otherwise. Dave? Um, you know, I, Gabe has not done anything this season that has gotten me, like, totally pissed off. I'm trying to think. <laughs> what does that equate to? <laughs> a plus? <laughs> yeah i mean an a i guess hasn't done it i mean what has he done that has i mean i guess it was good good move putting uh franco in the in the eight um i feel like he you know doesn't always play the right notes with the bullpen but that's kind of impossible um and i think they've held up pretty Pretty okay, I I suppose. I I don't know what else he could have really done, and I think it's more of a matter of like he's not going to win you games, but can you stay out of the way and not lose them? And so far, he's doing that. So I'll give Gabe an A so far. I uh, I tend to agree. Uh, maybe I'm 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 going to split the middle here and say he's kind of like a like a B. Um, the thing that I feel like impressive managing is a pass fail in my mind. Let's put it that way. Okay, <laughs> I would say then he's passing for One sure. Credit. Yeah. Yeah, that's a one credit course. It's one of those things where he last year he he was burning guys out. He was you you would see him in the fifth inning, you know, everybody was was pitching every day. And there have been stretches here where guys have had a couple days uh to recalibrate in the bullpen. Um which was a huge has become like a huge advantage I feel for this team to a certain degree is that you've got guys that are are, are not coming in dead armed uh we i remember last year talking about dead arm all the time and so early in the season last year uh the other thing that i i feel comfortable with is he seems to be liked by the players we remember we were so concerned that you know free agents would not want to play for gabe uh, but it seems to me if you watch the way that the players interact with him these guys do seem to enjoy playing for him they seem to enjoy interacting with him and he has not kind of put the kibosh on you know their high fives or whatever so to a certain degree i feel like they they they're starting to develop a culture within the 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 clubhouse and he hasn't he hasn't stifled that or or tried to imprint too much of his uh culture on them and maybe or maybe he has and they seem to be enjoying it but so i i'll, I'll pass him for now cuz it seems like he's, he's he's doing what he needs to do all right well i'm going to put the kibosh on this uh this segment uh <laughs> looking at the division though um you know, right now we're two and a half games up on the Braves and the and the Mets are falling back to like seven. So, well, six and a half games back, Nationals at eight. Um, and it, I feel like this... they're, they're both, they both lost again today and the Mets are in a real bad stretch. So the Mets got swept by the Marlins mm-hmm. uh, and it's been 20 months since the Marlins have swept a team. Yeah, anybody. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, uh, Mets fans. And 20 months ago, was that like an inter-squad game? How'd they pull that off? <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, Mets fans are also Jets fans. Uh, so <laughs> it's just not not a good not a good time. Lots to be excited about. New, and I guess they're also Knicks fans, too. So and that, Islanders you, you fans, get, too, right? You get to drop to, uh, to third <laughs> pick when you thought you were going to get Zion. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, so this two-team race is going to be us and the Braves at the end of the end of the year, and, and and that was not the two teams I would have said were going to be in the race. Honestly, I would have thought it was going to be Phillies and Nationals, and it feels like the Nationals aren't. 
I don't know. It feels like is it their offense that's not clicking? I don't bullpen. know. Their bullpen, their bullpen sucks. Yeah, their bullpen's like the worst bullpen in baseball. And I thought it was going to be Philly's Mets, to be honest. I thought it was going to be a four-team race. I really thought, you know, and, and at some point, if I had to put money on, I probably would have said Philly's Nats late in the season. But I really thought it was going to be, you know, four teams comp- competing for two playoff spots um coming out of our division but no right now it looks like it's going to be well it's too early to say if somebody will take a wild card from our division but i i think it's just the phillies and the braves and you know it's pretty early in the season to say hey it's a two-team race and not a three-team four-team or whatever um but the the phils have been winning series and if they keep winning series, I don't care sweep or no sweep yeah. or just barely doing it, they're going to get pretty comfortable in the top two spots. So this season can get old in a hurry for the Mets and the Nats. Yeah, I, I think I heard again today that they're still on pace for like a mid-90s record, like 94. Um, well, if it was a four-team race, uh, the uh, the Nationals are the horse that the the jockey fell off of. Yeah. Because I think uh, I think they're going to fire their manager at some point. This Again, season, so. <laughs> I who was the guy that came over uh, with the Expos? Um, with them, I forget uh, the the coach who came over uh, with the Nats from Montreal to Washington. I heard today he was like their longest tenured coach. Oh no, way, really? Oh yeah, yeah. They they had something obscene like. You know, six coaches in eight years, if not if not more for their managers. And once I heard that, I'm like, yeah, that does make sense. They always seem to have a new manager for a team that's been, you know, decent to good for the last several years at least. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I got, uh, so Frank Robinson, right? Yeah. Was their longest tenured? Yes, that's correct. So, yeah, Dave Martinez, uh, look out. <clears throat> uh, okay, and then just real quick, uh, Fashion Adelphia, like happy anniversary to the Saturday night special. Woohoo! Uh, Phillies uniforms, four, 40 years ago. 40 Nin- years ago, one game. <laughs> uh, Saturday night special, named after a gun, really. Is it, yeah, is yeah, it? <laughs> yeah. And what did the team we played wear against us? Something neon? <laughs> well, I think we played the Expos that night. Oh, and, so who knows? Uh, so you know that uniform was uh, kind of all over the place. It was place. already funky. <clears throat> so this was the <laughs> the maroon, all maroon. Yeah, all maroon with those with those bolds. They had white piping or white stripes. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they looked as hideous as everyone. Oh, I think it's really the, was the pants. Like I feel like that that shirt with with gray or you know could have worked. Or, or the pin the pinstripes. Or the right? pinstripes. I feel like it could have worked. It was the all maroon that I just was not a fan of. The other thing is, for some reason, in this era of everybody really clamoring on to the uh, the throwback, that just is never. You know, you don't go to a ballpark and see a ton of those walking around. Maybe you'll see one or or two, but. Um, yeah, of the jerseys? Just, yeah, you just see the Dave Cash Saturday Night Special. That's really the only one I ever see. Yeah. Yeah, those those all maroon jerseys like really screamed, you know, batting practice slash, you know, uh spring training. 
yeah. know, in the later years. Yeah. Um, with that said, I think our opinions on these uniforms might have changed due to the whole like color rush thing. You're not wrong. You know, like something like this, I remember thinking it was hideous and then seeing it now and going, actually, that's pretty nice. <laughs> um, because we have teams in all these bright, bold colors all of the time now. Right. So a, a maroon's kind of muted. But we all think that the all powder blue looks good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or is there an all powder, right? There was an all powder blue, yeah. Yeah, like the 78 road jersey, road uniform is all powder blue. Hmm. Well, if you want to see those Saturday night specials live and in person, uh, July 27th, oh, they're trotting them out. Are they actually going to wear them this year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh-huh. well, I I think it's just one game on the books. Yeah, well, hey, yeah, yeah, you know. We should go to that game. If for nothing else to see history come alive. <laughs> yeah, celebrate my 40th uh, right around the time the, those are turning 40. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, Chuck, do we have time to talk about Flyers coaching stuff? Yeah, we'll make it brief um, okay. just because we haven't touched on it. No, I feel really bad about this. Yeah, I... Sorry, Flyers. I, I don't want to go too much into Elaine Elaine Vino because we covered him a bit um, before he was hired. I, I'm I'm pretty okay with the hiring. I think the main thing now is hiring uh, Michelle Terrian or Mike Terrian or whatever you want to call him and uh, Mike Yo as the assistant coaches. And a, a lot of people had some hesitation of these like head coaches retreads coming in here. And uh, Michelle Terrian's kind of known as a hard ass, and Yo is a bit ineffectual, but has had some success. I, for one, really enjoy it because for me, it's showing that Philadelphia is a desirable spot to come. I can't recall, you know, three NHL head coaches on one staff, all with recent resumes. You know, maybe Yo wasn't going to get another gig. Maybe Tarion wasn't going to get another gig. But to come on board with not only one, you know, below one head coach, but another head coach sitting next to you on the bench, that's that's like an, you know, I was going to say an all-star team. An all-star team in an off year. But it's an all-star team of head coaches. And I'm really intrigued by that. It, it's telling me that, you know, Yo and Terry and see something here that they want to be a part of, even as an assistant coach. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know what to make of that. I mean, are the players happy? I I haven't heard any feedback from the players. I mean, it's the off season, so no one's really commented on it yet. And I think there's changes coming too. So here's <clears throat> one thing you know I've read and probably should be my. Um, penalty box but it's not the overreactions to these hirings are maddening it's you know i can't believe we brought in terry to be the coach for when vino gets fired <laughs> elaine vino has coached zero games um the, what's its resume that people are so uh, like hype about like who terry no vino well, he uh, took both the Canucks and the Rangers to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, the Canucks, he had uh, two or three President Cup winning, uh, President's Trophy uh, winning teams. He got the Rangers over the hump and 
you know, brought them to the Stanley Cup final. So he really got a lot of production out of both teams in two very different styles. I was going to say, is he like an offensive mind? Like, how, what's his what's his deal? Well, he has shown us both. He has shown a, um, a more conservative style with the Rangers. And with the players he had in Vancouver, it was a very up-tempo pace. Is he willing to pull the goalie on every power play opportunity to get a six on four? He is not. Not my guy. Not All my right. guy. Sorry, Dave. Sorry, Sorry Dave. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's go to Chuck's penalty box. All right. Dave making a, a late uh, bid for my penalty box after ah. that ludicrous uh, suggestion. But let's see who is in Gene's penalty box. Gene, who is in your penalty box this evening? Uh, Chuck, I don't know if you saw any of this. I know you cruised the Twitter during the games, but I I feel like there were a lot of people today that were talking about uh, Chris Wheeler being at the ball game, and there's suddenly this like renewed nostalgia for Chris Chris Wheeler out in in the world, and uh, I'm not buying it. Uh, one of my least favorite things about uh, the the Harry Callis call from 2008 uh, because you get to see it from <laughs> you get to see it in the booth because nobody got to hear it because uh, we're not allowed because we're not I guess. I I guess I'm not grown up enough to be able to hear Harry Callis call a world championship. Uh, but Chris Wheeler going bonkers and pumping his fist like a maniac during that call forever. Will that's the only thing I can see. Uh, it makes me crazy. Uh, every time they show that on TV, I just close my eyes so I can just hear, uh, hear Harry call it. Um, I don't get it. What was ever good about Chris Wheeler? What the guy calls himself Mr. Spring Training, and I wish he wish he would never leave Florida. So, uh, Chris Wheeler, go back to my penalty box and, and state your relevant, please. <laughs> All right, for Wheeler revisionists, you're getting a double minor: uh, two minutes for forgetting the past, and two minutes for. Uh, glorifying, you know, a company man who worked his way up to a position he should never a, have been in. And a really bad rug. And a really bad rug. Dave, who is in your <laughs> penalty box? Uh, I was at a I was at a wedding on Friday night. Uh, and I'm putting in my penalty box uh, best men and uh, ma- maids of honor. Yeah. Or is it maid the- of honors? No, maids of honor. Maids all of right, honor. All right, all right. For sure. Like so, attorneys general. When you're when you're giving the toast, you know the the most important thing is at the end of your speech to do the toast. Right, give the toast. You gotta say, "All right, everybody, like raise your glasses and you know let's celebrate this couple." Both at this wedding forgot to uh, to actually do the toast. So uh, there was the champagne on the glass so you can have a great speech uh but it's not a toast unless you say let's raise our glasses uh and 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 actually do the toast so i'm putting my penalty box uh uh, speech givers that don't do the toast and we've all done we've all been there right we've all had the pleasure of having to give one of these one of these toasts one of these what will help you remember is to hold the champagne flute in your hand while you're giving the speech both both times i've done it i started from the toast and work backwards like that was i I, you know had that in and then worked back so that i knew that it was there i I don't know if if that's how you guys worked when you guys did it i i I don't know whatever mnemonic device you want to use to help you remember to do the toast it's important it's an important part of it 
it's the whole part of it. It's the whole part of it. And I'm taking the whistle out and I'm getting this game under control. Best man, 10 minutes in the game. Maid of honor, 10 minutes in the game. It's part of post. It's not a speech. I'm glad that one struck a nerve with you, Chuck. Well, it did. It did. It's, I, and the people, even if they're good toast, they prattle on and it's like, all right, thanks. Like, no, it's a toast. You have a drink in your hand. You, you should toast friends. Real quick, quick aside, public service announcement. It doesn't need to be a big occasion to toast. If you have a drink in your hand and you're at the bar with your friends or family or whomever, raise a glass, toast. It's, it, it's celebration, damn it. Cheers, motherfuckers. <laughs> Cheers. Bunch of... All right, so who is in my penalty oh, yeah, box? Right. Um, I kind of want to double dip on Dave's, but I'm putting in Sports Illustrated, uh, SI.com. One wonderful feature about SI used to be their photo galleries. And maybe in this day and age, no one paying for journalism anymore. They had to make cuts, but their photo galleries have dropped tremendously. And one of the reasons I noticed, because I went to look for the year-in-review uh, NHL goalie masks. They used to always do it, show every guy who played in the league. I wanted to see the masks. It's a dorky part of the game I really enjoy, and they didn't have it this year. And I feel like they didn't have it last year. And not only did they not have that, they didn't have this wide array of photo galleries that they normally had. And and it was just a great resource to have. It was a different kind of storytelling. And SI, you brought something unique to coverage and you let it go. Uh, you're getting the lowest penalty of today. You're only getting two-minute minor. Correct the error of your ways. Bring back photojournalism. So, Chuck... Did you go looking for this year's because you wanted to see how many goalies played for the Flyers? Did you <laughs> I did it's not. Like one page. I... It's like the Flyers page. It's like a whole subsection of just Flyers goalie masks from this year. Did did that maybe gut the budget? Like, do I have the wrong yeah. person in the box? Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> do you know how many photojournalists died just covering the Flyers? Seriously. <laughs> Every week we just send a guy out to take a picture of their goaltender. All right, guys. Well, I want to I want to uh, raise a glass uh, to all of our listeners who have who have gone on iTunes, have rated and reviewed the show, have subscribed to the show. I want to thank you. I also want to thank uh, all of our listeners who follow us on on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we really appreciate uh, interacting with you guys on on social media. And I also want to thank all of our listeners who have checked out the Whip Around podcast, our sister podcast that I'm going to be on this week, and we're going to talk about uh, lots of weird news, and it's going to be and it's going to be hilarious. And finally, I, I want to raise a glass to everyone who's going to listen to our show next Monday uh, when we get to talk about more Phillies wins and maybe some Sixers draft preview, and uh, maybe there'll be some more Eagles news. So, cheers, guys. Cheers. Have a great day at work.